Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. All right, today we are on week three, though, of our series titled Believe the Impossible. And every year we speak by faith something supernatural we believe God is going to do over this house. And we've been believing that this building that you see behind me is going to become our future home. Because we need to make more room for the kingdom. We need to make more room for the people coming into this house. Just this morning, our first service was packed out. Uh, as you see in the second service, we're already kind of running out of room. Last week, I think we had a 30 to 40 people in overflow in the lobby. And so we want to make room for these people coming into the house and everything that God is doing. So we're believing God for the impossible. And again, I want to encourage you on December 3rd, I accidentally said December 2nd last week, but on December 3rd, it's going to be our giving Sunday, okay, our big vision Sunday. So pray to the Lord what God is placing on your heart to give so that we can build what God has called us to build, okay? It is time to move by faith and see what the Lord can do because we serve the God of the impossible, right? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, the Amplified Version states it like this, for we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner that is consistent with our confident belief. I love this wording right here. Our confident belief in God's promises. Look to somebody next to you and say, I believe God's promises. I believe in them. It doesn't matter what I see. I'm not led by my sight. I am led by the promises of God over my life. But at the same time, how do you hold on to the promises of God when you feel like you're in a dark place? How do you hold on to the promises of God when you feel like everything around you is starting to fall apart? Because we know that we are not led by our circumstances. But at the same time, can I be honest with you? Sometimes those circumstances really test your faith. And when you're looking at everything fall apart, you're like, God, where are you? You showed me a dream a long time ago. I thought I was going to step into this destiny that you have for me, but everybody's coming up against me. Everybody's trying to attack me. All these things are falling apart right now. Lord, how do I hold on to the promise when I feel like I'm in a dark place? So the title of today's message is this, Hope in the Dark. There is always hope in the dark because of the Holy Spirit being with you. The Spirit of God living inside of you and guiding you. And what we're going to do, we've been talking about a famous dreamer named Joseph. And he received a dream and a destination from God. So when I say that you're going to walk into a destiny from the Lord, you know what that means? It means that God has given you a destination. A destination to walk into. So everybody in this room and everybody watching online right now, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have received a dream from the Lord and a destination, a purpose in the end. But as we can see from the story of Joseph, we have to have faith to hold on to those promises. Because just because you're doing the right thing doesn't mean the enemy won't attack you. In fact, a lot of people, listen, I'm telling you right now, the more you follow God, the more the enemy is going to attack you. The more he's going to come after you. Joseph did the right thing. Last week, we talked about him and Potiphar's wife. She was pressuring him day after day after day to sleep with her, but he refused because he was in the presence of God. He wanted to worship the Lord and do the right thing. And I believe that Joseph walked around like this the whole time. Like, hey, like not looking at anybody because he's guarding his eyes. He's guarding his heart. Because if you remember last week, what you look at over and over again can start to become what you desire. And sometimes you start to uh, produce this appetite that God never intended for you to have. And so he guarded his eyes to follow the Lord. Joseph did the right thing. He passed the test. Hallelujah. The purity test. But the devil came after him. 
the enemy came after him and he was falsely accused. Genesis chapter 39, 13 through 20 is where we left off. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants and soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband, notice the wording here. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. Notice immediately she's blaming everybody else. Yet she's the one in the wrong. She is blaming her husband and she's blaming Joseph. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. All of this is a lie. But when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak in my hand. You know what this tells us? The devil has no new tricks. The devil has no new tricks. How was Joseph attacked in the very beginning? He had a dream. He had a favor from the Lord and his brothers conspired against him. And what did they do? They took his coat of many colors. They dipped it in goat's blood. And then they tricked his father, Jacob, that he was dead. Now, fast forward to this story. He's still being obedient to the Lord. He's in Potiphar's house. And what does she do? Potiphar's wife grabs his cloak and then falsely accuses him of rape. What does this teach us? Stop wearing coats. Okay, that's not it. All right, don't write that down. Some of y'all are like, stop wearing coat. Okay, it's all good. But here's what we should learn from this story. The devil will attack you the same way over and over and over and over again because he knows certain things in your life that you struggle with. He knows that moment you came down to the altar, Jesus sets you free and you're praising the Lord. All right, God, I'm no longer a slave to lust. Hallelujah, I don't have to look at these things anymore. I don't have to be in this relationship anymore. I am free. But then all of a sudden, your phone starts to ring. And that old relationship that you haven't heard of in a long time, this person is reaching out to you like, hey, you look good. Maybe we should catch up. And you're like, get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? Because you're finally going in the right path. And you know, let's be honest, if you get back into the talking, back into that relationship, all of a sudden you're going to fall back into temptation that Jesus freed you from. It's the same way sometimes even with our mouth. Some of us have friendships and we have areas that we, we go to and we talk to these people and we notice that every time we talk to these people, we start to gossip. We start to allow things to spew from our mouth and we start to create division. God freed you from that as well. But sometimes they will call you and say, hey, let's catch up. I don't want to. Why? Because God told me to guard my mouth. Every time I talk to you, we end up talking about somebody else. It's not healthy. I'm tired of it. God said, keep my mouth closed so my heart can praise him more. See, the devil has no new tricks. It is the same thing over and over and over again. And we talked about it last week that he will pressure you day after day. So how do we overcome this? Okay, look at this. Here's some good news for every believer in the room and every believer that's watching online today. Through the power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ, you can walk away from temptation every single time. That's good news. Come on, did you hear me? Like you can walk away from temptation every single time. It doesn't matter what it is. Because I've had people come into this room and they said, Pastor, I don't know. It's been 20 years. It's been 20 years that I've been with this addiction in my life. It's been 50 years that I've been struggling in this area. Listen, you are giving agreement with the enemy that he won't leave. You are allowing him to stay inside of your mind and your heart. The Bible says, the word of God says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so the spirit wages war with your flesh. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 
no temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to the human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. Did you hear that? No temptation in your life is beyond human resistance, but God is faithful. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to his word. He is compassionate. He is trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. It's like a good parent watching their child go into the world. And you know that you will always be there for them to protect them and lead them in the right way. But sometimes you got to let go to see if they make the right decisions. But when they make the wrong decisions, you're not just going to be like, well, we're done. (laughs) I don't love you anymore. I'm not in your life anymore. No, as a good parent, you still love them. You pray for them and you give them guidance. This is the father. This is the good father from above. He sees us struggling, but he's saying, but you got to make the choice. You got to learn to make the choice. You got to learn to make the choice to call out upon my name, to come and rescue you, to always give you a way out of every temptation because it's not beyond your ability to resist. See, I put my spirit inside of you. So any temptation that comes your way, you'll be able to resist. He has in the past and is now and will always provide a way out as well. Let's continue. And then it says, and you will be able to endure it without yielding. You'll be able sometimes to see it in the environment or it will just pop up and you'll be like, I don't even care anymore. I'm not like that anymore. I'm not who I used to be. God has truly set me free. But I love the last verse. Here it is. And you will overcome temptation with, can we shout that out? Joy. You'll overcome temptation with joy. Some of us were a little late. That's okay. Um, But we'll overcome temptation with joy, meaning you know that something is better on the other side. So when you see temptation coming, you can say, no, no, devil, I know your tricks, but I know that God has something better for me. So thank you, Jesus. You're holding my hand. I will shout hallelujah every time temptation comes my way because I know that I'm heading down the right path. Because now the enemy is trying to attack me and bring me back into my old life. But the old me is dead. I got a new life today in Jesus Christ. I got joy in my heart because I no longer have to be enslaved to my temptations. All right, that's the message right there. I'm just kidding. All right, let's, let's get back to the story here. Genesis chapter 39, verses 16 through 20 says she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. Notice the wording here. Her story, which tells us something very important. Listen, especially if you're a leader, be careful of a one-sided story. Always be cautious of a one-sided story. Mature leaders, let me say it like this, listen to three sides of a story. You listen to both parties involved in the conflict, and then ultimately you listen to God. You listen to God. You listen to both parties. He said this. She said that. Okay, I see what's going on. Now let me spend time with the Lord to get a revelation to see who's really telling the truth, who's really putting it all together, and the Lord will reveal it to you, but you need to hear both sides. I've seen people only listen to one side. And they've allowed damage into their heart, hate into their heart because they never knew the full story. And guess what? Eventually they will find out the full story and it hurts them. It hurts them that they defended this person. So be careful of a one-sided story. But let's continue now. It says that Hebrew slave, she said, that you brought into her house. Again, what's she doing here? The guilty love to point fingers. Have you noticed that? 
The guilty will always love to point fingers. It's never my fault. It's always your fault. You're the problem. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I said. This is a narcissistic personality type, by the way. It's putting blame on other people, even though this woman was in the wrong. It's her husband's fault. It's Joseph's fault. It's everybody else. But she said, listen, you brought him into our house. And he tried to come in and fool around with me. And when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. And for most of us at this point, we would give up on the promises of God. I mean, think about it. You have been through so much. Your brothers have betrayed you. They tried to kill you. They sold you into slavery. And then as a slave, you're still being faithful to the Lord. You're doing what you're supposed to do. All of a sudden you get falsely accused and now you are in prison. How many of y'all would sit in the prison and be like, praise Jesus, thank you, God. Now, see, and, and that's the thing we need to realize. Yes, God has spoken a blessing over our life, a destination, but it doesn't mean you won't go through trials. And it does not mean you won't go through persecutions, okay? So let's go ahead and dive into some points. Uh, point number one is this. God will handle the accuser for you. I pray this preaches to you today. God will always handle the accuser for you. Who is the accuser according to the word of God? Satan. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice, listen to this, shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ for the accuser of our brothers and our sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Not only is the enemy relentless with temptation before your very eyes, but he also wants to accuse you every single day. Remember that thought you had? Remember that thing you said? Remember that thing you looked at? Remember the thing that you did? He accuses the brothers and the sisters every single day. So God threw him down. You know what that means? Every time he comes to attack, you call upon the name of Jesus, God will throw him down. Tell him to be quiet. Stop talking. Because there's a lot of things you can bring up against the devil for we know where the devil's going. But God has given us a different destiny. We're not going to believe the lies of the enemy. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. I love this. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan. Standing at his right side, Satan was to accuse him. So this is what the Lord said. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? And many commentators believe that this angel of the Lord is actually Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one protecting Joshua. Is not this man saved from the fire? Saved from the torment? You want to bring everything up about his past, but it's already been erased. I've already forgotten all about it. Why? Because he called my name. That's what Jesus does in our life. Every time the enemy reminds us of our past, of our mistakes, the things that we said, the things that we did, you can call upon the name of Jesus. Now, I love that we make Jesus our Lord and Savior. Okay, we talked about the difference in that. Savior means he brought us eternal salvation. He has forgiven us of our sins. But to make him Lord means that he becomes the Lord over our life, which brings freedom. 
freedom over a bondage in our life, freedom over addictions, freedom over hate, anger, whatever it may be. When it becomes Lord of your life, you submit everything over to the Lord, which also means, here's what's good, he comes to rescue you. Jesus actually comes to defend you. He comes to fight for you. The Bible says that Jesus is our advocate, meaning he actually pleads to the Father on your behalf. Listen to the wording here. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. But if anyone does sin, listen, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice for the atones of our sin. Jesus stands up for us. Every time Satan brings up your past, Jesus says, I paid it in full. Meaning on the cross, he knew everything. Jesus is God. He's always been, always will be. And he knows everything that you are dealing with today. And every time you ask for forgiveness, he shows up and you encounter him. But he also knows the future trials that you will face. He also knows the future mess ups that are gonna happen in your life. And he still chooses to love you every time you call upon his name. And he sets you free. Not only does he set you free, but he protects you from the enemy. Enemy, Satan is the accuser. But here's something we also face in this world, okay? Um, there are many people in this world that allow the accuser, Satan, to have permission over their mouths to speak over you. That's why you gotta be careful with cursing and cusses, or, or cussing, because I always say this, because when you start to curse, when you start to speak negativity even over your life, you're giving verbal agreement for the enemy to do things over you, right? Well, my life is just a, just a what? Or you can go to, go where? We speak these things. We're laughing at this, but some of y'all are like, that was me this week. I'm sorry, pastor. I did not mean to say these things, but we're giving verbal agreement over with the enemy to speak this way over life. We're giving him permission to attack us because we just said it with our own mouths at this time. Okay, so we have to be careful by what we say, but the enemy will use people's mouths to attack you, to pull you away from the dreams and the destiny God has given over you, that he's placed over you to make you doubt. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to doubt everything that God has spoken over your life because if you doubt it and you don't believe, guess what? You never step into the promise. You don't believe it's there. And so you stay in the situation you have always been in. Listen to this warning. This is powerful. But in Proverbs chapter six, verse 16 and 19, it says that there are six things that the Lord hates. Listen to the wording here. Six things that the Lord actually hates. Let me just read verse 19 for you today. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who sows discord within the family. A liar and a person who causes division with their mouth because division will always come from the devil. Do you see that? Even Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. So division will always come from the enemy. And so his goal in your life is to get in between your marriage. Because if he can divide you up and you can do your thing and she does her thing, then all of a sudden there's a big division between you guys and nobody understands each other anymore. And you're just roommates in the same house. Division starts to pull your heart different directions and then he entices you with something else. Not only that, but the enemy will come into your relationships, into your family. He wants to divide your family. How did they say that about you? They said that about you? That's your own family member. You can never trust them again. Don't ever call them. Don't ever invite them over again. He wants division in the church. 
Because if the enemy can get into the church, and listen, he's going to use the mouths of people to mock each other and to gossip and to cause division. Then he splits up the church. And guess what happens? We start fighting the wrong fight. That is his strategy every time. The enemy wants us to fight each other for believers fighting believers because of something that was said, something that was did instead of fighting the spiritual fight. What would happen today if we all just forgave each other, gave it over to the Lord and believed in unity that God was doing something impossible? Everything would start to change, but the enemy knows that, so he comes to divide. A lot of division. False witness pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in the family. And when we speak about Joseph, we speak about a lot of dysfunction within the family. Okay, because a lot of times we look at these Bible characters like they're perfect. The only one that was perfect is Jesus Christ. But everybody else had a lot of failures, a lot of faults. In fact, a lot of dysfunction in their life. And again, Joseph had brothers who attacked him because of the favor that was on his life. Remember this favor will put a target on your back. Some people cannot stand the favor that God has placed in your life. So they spoke things. And now he's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of rape. And Joseph went through a lot. Here's what I noticed in life, because he had a lot of stones thrown at him. Do you realize that we could have a lot of people come up to us and say positive things over our life? Some of you, maybe you see good comments and you see those over and over again, and it makes you feel good in the moment, but then out of nowhere, one person gives you that negative comment. You know what I'm talking about? You see it on social media, or you hear about it in the house, and you just have one negative comment. Five people told you something good, but that one person said you were a failure. 10 people spoke encouragement to you, but that one person said you were worthless. A lot of other people said that they would be praying for you, but somebody else said that you just would never amount to anything. Right? And so what we do, we start to allow all these negative comments in our head that we see on social media, that we see or hear even in our own lives, in our own relationships, and we hold on to every stone that was thrown at us. And every Sunday, pastors all over the world tell you to bring those stones to the altar. Every Sunday. And I believe since God sees our heart, so many of us are worshiping just like this. Holding on to every hurtful word that was said. Every time we say, release it over to the Lord, give it over to the Lord so that you can experience healing in your life. We're like, no, all right, God, I love you so much, but I'm holding on to this. There's something I got to say. There's something I got to do back to this person. I get it, God. I, I know that you got freedom for me and I know that you got healing for me, but right now I just got to hold on to this. And we're wondering why we're depressed. We're wondering why we're tired, why life is so heavy, because we're holding on to every negative comment spoken against us. You know what's crazy? We remember so well the negative comments, yet we do not remember the promises of God. We remember what somebody said against us, yet we don't even remember the word of God. We don't remember the dreams. We don't write it down. We don't care to write these down and, and pray over these things and the visions that God has given us, but yet we hold on to the hurt and the pain every single day. Jesus is saying it's time to put it right here. It's time. He 
You've been saying it for a long time, but you're still carrying the weight. Joseph knew how that felt for stones to be thrown at him, but he was able to overcome and he teaches us how to overcome false accusations that come against us. And so here are two sub points within my point, okay? Um, The first step to seeing this freedom over our life is this, remain silent in order to protect your character. Now, some of your faces already are like, what? (laughs) But they said something about me. What do you mean remain silent? This is the hardest thing to do. God showed me such a deep revelation that I want to show you now by his word. Okay, let me first ask this question. How did Joseph handle the situation of false accusations? There was no mentioning of Joseph screaming at Potiphar's wife. There is no mentioning of Joseph calling her a liar that he is innocent. There's no mentioning of any of these things. He's not calling her names. He's not fighting back. Therefore, his silence, listen, protected his character. He didn't look crazy. If we were to be honest with each other, sometimes when rage gets a hold of us, we start saying things, we look crazy. And then people no longer can tell who is telling the truth. And then I dug deeper into this. Listen, I realized even Jesus was silent with his accusers. Here's where it gets really good. Um, There's a prophecy over Jesus that he would be silent with his accusers. And then he fulfilled it. Isaiah chapter 53, verse seven. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the sharers, he did not open his mouth. That's the prophecy. But now let's look at the fulfillment. Matthew chapter 27, verses 13 and 14. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing up against you? Pilate demanded because he thought he had authority over Jesus Christ. But Jesus had no response to any of his demands. You want to make somebody angry? I'm telling you. Somebody is speaking harsh words to you. They're expecting you to speak it right back. And it drives them crazy when you remain silent. It drives them crazy because it means that you're not allowing their harsh words and their behavior to control how you live. And now you're free because of Jesus Christ following what he has for you. But I had to ask the Lord. Okay, so I'm diving deep into this. I'm like, God, but how come? Like, how come we can't just say something sometimes? Just kind of get it back. You know what I mean? Like, just put them in their place. Why should we stay silent? Okay, the Lord preached to me. I pray that he preaches to you. Silence can speak louder than words. This is what I wrote down. Silence can speak louder than words because silence proves spiritual maturity. You don't have to defend yourself. You're not trying to get everybody else on your side all the time because you already know what the Lord has for you. And you know that in the right time, the Lord is going to reveal all the truth and the revelation to everybody else. Meaning, I know God, you're going to show them in the right timing. But if I speak right now, I'm going to mess it all up. I'm going to look as crazy as the enemy. I'm going to say words that I will regret. So in this moment of my emotions trying to control me, I will shut my mouth. It's hard. It's hard to shut your mouth. But you know, silence also proves innocence because the guilty love to talk. The guilty love to explain because there's a web of lies that they have to go into and now there's a lie after another lie and that they make sure that you're not on their trail because you'll figure them out over time. And so they talk, 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 talk. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 and 28. Listen to this. A truly wise person uses few words. 
I'll speak to you. Verse 28, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. That's my Bible verse for the week. <laughs> With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent because they're not allowing people to see everything. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that just can't control their mouth? And they literally told you everything about their life and you didn't even ask for any of it, you know what I mean? But now you know everything about them. And so next time you see them, you're like, hey, but you're keeping your distance a little bit because they just tell you everything and they bring you into situations. They involve you into conflict you don't wanna be involved into. Sometimes the Lord is gonna speak and say, be quiet before you say something you regret. Sometimes the Lord is going to speak and say, be quiet before you say something hateful to the people that I love. Sometimes the Lord is going to speak and say, shut your mouth before you say something that hurts the people around you and ruins the testimony of what I'm doing in your life. Emotions want to control you. Let's dive deeper. Here's what I really want to show you, though. I believe the humble silence of Joseph, listen, reminded Potiphar that Joseph had never betrayed him before because even in this moment, he's not acting out of character. He still has a righteous, a good character, a pure character. And that made Potiphar remember that everything Joseph did in his house was good. Remember, Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph's work. Genesis chapter 39, verse three, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. He realized that the Lord was on Joseph. Favor was in his house because of Joseph, because he served God. And now in this moment, Joseph is still not speaking out. He's being calm. He's receiving the punishment, even though he is an innocent man. And here's what I know. Okay, let's start thinking. If Potiphar really believed that Joseph was guilty, guess what? He would have killed him. You understand that? Was Joseph killed? No. See, every time, this is two instances now where the enemy has tried to kill Joseph, but God intervened behind the scenes. And instead of being killed, he was sent to prison. What happened to him in the prison? Genesis chapter 40, verse four. The captain of the guard actually put Joseph in charge of them, talking about the other prisoners, and he served them. We read this, we miss it. What did I just say? He's in prison, pastor, and he's being put in charge of the other prisoners. Okay, that's part of it. Who put him in charge? The captain of the guard. Here it is. I love the Bible. The Bible is like a bunch of puzzle pieces. Sometimes you put it together and you're just like, wow, look at the picture. Okay, that was really nerdy, but let's keep going. All right, Genesis chapter 39, verse one. Let's go back, okay. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh. So, okay, not only... Did Potiphar put him in the prison? But this also tells us that eventually God urged Potiphar to believe the character of Joseph over his own deceitful wife. Because if he believed his wife, he would have had him killed. But in fact, he not only put him in the prison, he put him in charge again, just like he was over his house. The Lord will defend you against your accusers every single time. But sometimes that does mean 
in certain cases, to remain silent and let God speak before you mess it up, okay? Now, the second step is this. The first step is to remain silent, let God speak. The second step, when somebody falsely accuses you of something, is respond back with prayer. Respond back with prayer. Now, I believe a lot of us would say, well, this is the Bible answer. You know, we always come in here and say, Jesus is the answer. Of course, pray, 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 pray. Okay, but how hard is it? Let's be honest, okay? We're talking about stones that other people have thrown at you. These things are heavy, right? Somebody throws this at your face. Somebody throws this at your family. Somebody throws this at your character. Guess what you want to do? All right, God. I'll show up to church, but I'm going to hold these in my hand. Because when I see that person, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to do it. But when I see that one person, if they look like they're saying something, you know what I mean? Like, I'll pretend I'll pray it and then, you know, get some coffee. Like, they'll never know. But I want to say something to hurt them back. You're so tempted to respond back in a different way than prayer. You're going to be tempted to respond back with the same hate that they spoke over you. You're going to be tempted to, to gossip and try to divide again and, and try to do all these different things. You're going to be tempted to um, move out of anger and attack them. You'll be tempted to throw the same stones they threw at you. So you become them. That's the revelation. That's why the devil gets in your ear and he says, they threw it at you, throw it back. They hurt you, hurt them back. You don't deserve this. Go ahead and attack them too. Put them in their place and then you become no better than them because you're giving the enemy verbal permission, agreement to speak through your mouth now to sow more discord and division, whether in your family, in the church, in your workplace, in your relationships. It's so to respond back with prayer. But listen to this. I believe it's because of a lack of knowledge when it comes to how powerful prayer is. Prayer will set you free and prayer will bring healing to your soul. And then you hear the Lord speak to you. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and 27, but don't let the passions of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you because of your emotions, because of your anger, because of how hurt you are. He sees that open wound and he tries to come into your life. That's called a stronghold. But Jesus came to set us free from the enemy's strongholds. And instead of that open wound being there, he came to heal it. He came to change you. He came to make you stronger. So what did Joseph do? Okay, how did he respond back? Let's continue now. Let's go back just a little bit. Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 23. So we took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. There he was alone in the prison in the darkness, by himself, afraid. That's not what the Bible says. Even in the dark places, even in the prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Please don't forget that. And he showed him his faithful love. It, that means it doesn't matter your environment. 
It doesn't matter how your circumstances look right now, that you can still experience the love of God even in the dark places, even in the prison of life, even when you're struggling with things, you can still call upon the name of God. And remember this from last week, you stay in the favor of God as long as you stay in his presence. Something else I've learned recently about the favor of the Lord, God will draw people to you because of his favor. Why? So that you can lead them to healing. Notice everywhere Joseph went, people came to him. Everywhere Joseph was, people started to ask him questions. People started to uh, search him for knowledge, for answers, because he heard from the living God. In the dark places, they still recognize the favor of the Lord over his life. Maybe that's where you are right now, but you're not alone in it. And maybe God is still directing your steps to the destination that he has for you. So do not give up on the promise just because stones have been thrown at you. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite. Come on. Made him a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. What does that sound like? Remember earlier in Potiphar's house, Genesis 39, 6, with Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about anything except what to eat. Everywhere Joseph was, he was a blessing to other people because he had the favor of God. So let me say it like this. If you have a business, hire you a Joseph. Hire you a Joseph because here's what happens. There's a lot of people that complain over the problems. There's a lot of people that see the problems. They complain over it. They're very negative over it. But when you are led by the Holy Spirit, I need you to understand you become a problem solver. You're no longer afraid of the problems before you because you have been called to be a problem solver, to stand out from the rest of the people, to be a light in the darkness, to have answers and revelations that come from God. So you're not afraid of the conflict. You want to be a leader? You got to go through some problems. You want to be a leader, you're going to have to deal with some conflict from people, but God will always be with you. He's a problem solver. Verse 23, the Lord was with him again and caused everything that he did to succeed. But if you, if, if you evaluate the story of Joseph and his life, you know how easy it would have been for him to throw a pity party? You get that? Dude's in prison. And, and so we know according to the story, I'm about to get there, but he sees a baker right? And he sees these, these men that are in there and he starts to come up to them and say, you know what? I, I, can, I can reveal a dream to you. I can help you. But most of us, if we're in prison at this point, we don't want to help anybody. I don't want to help anybody. I don't want to have a conversation with anybody else. I just want to look at my own life and, and throw a pity party. Look at me. I'm in prison. God, I don't care anymore. You show me a dream. I don't care. And that's what what a lot of us do, we, we come in here and say, God, you show me that I would have a relationship one day, but I'm in a prison of loneliness right now. Oh God, you showed me that I would have that position, but right now I'm in a prison of doing all these things that nobody else wants to do and I'm going nowhere and I just feel stuck in the dark place right now and I just don't know how to hold on to the promise. What we talked about last week, we talked about character test. God cares more about your character than your comfort. And so he's producing your character right before you step into your destiny. But there's also a prison test. Some of y'all are like, do I have to go to prison? No, not that type of prison, but a spiritual prison test. Okay, that happens right before you step into your destiny, testing you, listen to this, testing to see how you love others in the dark places. 
That's a hard one. We're faithful to God in here. <laughs> We're faithful to God on the stage. We're faithful to God when everything is going good. But when everything is falling apart and your life looks miserable, are you still going to invest in other people? Do you love people in the dark places? Or are you cold-hearted? Do you deny them? Are you asking God for help, but you won't help anybody else around you at this very moment? See, that's what the prison test is all about. Here's a revelation, okay? Psalms 105, verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord, listen to the wording, tested Joseph's character. Until it was time to fulfill the dreams, the Lord actually tested his character. So in the prison, like I said, he was with the butler and the baker. They both offended the Pharaoh. Many commentators believe maybe they tried to poison Pharaoh. We don't know. But listen to what Joseph did. Genesis 40, six through eight. He asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad? And they said to him, we each had a dream, but there's no interpreter of it. Would you ask somebody in prison why they look so sad? When you have been through so much, no, I'm going to sit in the corner and soak. I don't want to talk to you. But he said, why do you look miserable? Because he was always being a light. He was always showing the love of God. Now, I love this one phrase. Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Do not revelations belong to my father, meaning I could always run to my father and he always has the answer. Anything that you're going through right now, I can hear from him and he will give you a revelation. He was responding here with prayer. He's saying, I can talk to God for you in the present. I can talk to my father for you and show them the love of God. Right here. When it should feel like God had abandoned him, he stayed faithful. And again, let me show you one more thing. Let's go back to this. Genesis 40, verse four. The captain of the guard, which we now know as Potiphar, put Joseph in charge of them and he served them, meaning he's also still serving Potiphar. Even after all the accusations. He's still being humble and he's still serving him with honor when he could be responding with anger. Why is it so important to respond with prayer? Because all of this is heavy. All of this hurts and you hold on to it and it feels like you can never be free from some things. You know what the Bible says about prayer? Listen to what Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven states. Don't worry about anything. This is the word of God right here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you experience God's, who needs God's peace? Why are you holding on to that? When God is saying, bring it to me, I'll bring you peace upon your heart and your mind. The Bible says, literally, it exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will then guard your heart and your mind, and you will live in Jesus Christ. Your mind and your heart is protected from the lies of the enemy, from the accuser, because you have been set free. That no longer matters. Freedom is looking back at hurt and no longer being hurt. It's hard to do though. Joseph could have walked away from his destiny and dream from God because he was in the prison because people accused him, but he would not let go of the promises of the Lord. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, but we live by believing, not by seeing. 
So as I was writing this message, I couldn't help but look back at the dream over the building behind me, what God had spoken. And so I wrote this down. This is our elder's dream. And he, he spoke it a little bit at the, the building, if you guys were there praying over that building. But it happened August 11th, 2022. And this is the day that it was dated. And he said, I'm packing envelopes and preparing for shipping hundreds of books in the new building. The warehouse area has dozens, if not hundreds, of cases of books and other merch. Then he said, within the dream that my oldest son, Micah, was with him, helping him with the books. He said that my oldest son, my oldest son, uh, recently graduated with a pastoral theology degree from college. So Micah was still possibly a teenager, around 17 to 19 years old in the dream. He said, we had hundreds of copies of the book to prepare. The book was written by Pastor Bobby, and the title was imprinted on my mind. Believe the impossible. If you have not heard, the first time he revealed this dream to me, there were only two people in this church that knew at that time that I wanted to write the book, Believe the Impossible. He was not one of them. He did not know this from me, but he received this revelation because of a dream, because of what God had shown him. And then in the dream, he said, Micah, this is my son, okay, was to preach. Stream reveals a lot of promises for this church. Something to look forward to, many things that will be in this new building. God's gonna make it happen. It's amazing. It's incredible to grow the kingdom of God and see more people impacted. Not only that, but there's gonna be a story written about this place and that people are gonna wanna read this story and be a part of it. And there are people moving here right now just to be a part of everything that God is doing because they wanna be part of the story. God is showing the world how good he is. And we get to tell the world about how good he is, how amazing he is. But most important to me as a father is that in this dream, my son was called to ministry. That he was called to preach. And I want that for him. And I believe in that promise. And I would never force anything like that upon his life but I believe the Lord revealed it for a reason because there's a calling and there's a destiny, which tells me I can't give up on this dream because I need to give him the opportunity that God called me to give him to believe the impossible and to step into the promises of the Lord, which also brings him a destiny. Guess what? You have received a dream and you have received a destiny. And not only does it impact you, but it will impact your entire family. It will impact everyone around you. But if you give up on the dream, you have no idea how many other people you may stop from entering into their destiny, their calling, how you may lead them away because of trials, that, because you're not believing in the promises, because this is what... The enemy wants for our life. He wants us to see these things as too big, but we know according to the word of God, we serve the God of the impossible. And I'm ready to believe it fully. I'm ready to move by faith and watch him work miraculous wonders. And I want you to be along the journey and I want it for your families and I want blessings over your families. I want to see marriages renewed and restored. I want to see lives given over to the Lord and healings taking place. I believe he can do it. And he has shown us that he can do it. We'll hold on to the dream, no matter what others say, 
No matter how hurt we may feel at times, there may become dark times and dark places, but God will always lead us into the promise. Stay in his presence, you stay in his favor. My last point though is this. If you continue the story, this is a really difficult part too of Joseph's story, but it reveals to us that when others forget about you, God never will. Okay, when others forget about you, God never will. And we're gonna talk about Joseph interpreting the dreams more next week. But if you know the story, you know that he revealed the meanings of the dreams in the prison. And he spoke this to the butler. Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, he said, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. Notice that Joseph is trying to insert something here. He's trying to influence. He's speaking at this point saying, please remember me. But again, sometimes when we speak out of turn and we don't remain silent, we can rush the process. We can rush what the Lord is doing. And I believe again, God protected him behind the scenes and did not allow the butler to remember him. Verse 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, the butler, however, forgot all about Joseph, ever giving him another thought. That's the most hurtful thing, to care for other people and then they forget about you to be there for other people, to always be that friend that was on the phone late at night, helping this person, giving anything for this person to see the love of God, yet they turned against you. Or a situation happened and all of a sudden now they don't trust you, now they don't protect you, even though you always did the right thing for them. And sometimes you may say, God, how can I love somebody like that? I was there for them, but they're not here for me. Because God does that for us there's anybody that knows what it feels like to be abandoned for other people to walk away from the promises it's God how many times has he spoken and spoken over your life that he would come to save you and come to help you and come to rescue you but how many times have you said but no God I got other things to do I got people to see I got places to be God I'll just I'll meet with you later I really want to do this for my life this relationship is a little more important than this one right now I'm desiring all these things. And God says, listen, I'll still be here. And when you're damaged by the world and you realize it's not what you thought it would be, I'm still gonna be here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I can free you and heal you like nobody else. If there's anybody that knows what it feels like to be forgotten, it's Jesus. But look at this. Let me encourage you with this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Again, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So let me say it like this. The Lord prepares your steps, but the Lord also prepares your stops. The Lord prepares your steps, but the Lord also prepares your stops. For the butler told Pharaoh right away, it would not mean anything to Pharaoh because it did not interest him or involve him at all. He probably would have forgotten over the dream. But instead, God allowed the butler to forget. And then all of a sudden, God is the one that sent Pharaoh a dream in the right time. And because of this dream, he sent for people. He was searching for a man with a destiny to interpret. And there's one man, listen to the wording here. Genesis 41 verses 8 through 14. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. 
when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up and he said, today I've been reminded. Who is he reminded by? God. You gotta see that in the story. This is God reminding him. This is God placing the the dream in, in Pharaoh's life. He said, I'm reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Verse 12, there was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave with the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he told us what each of our dreams meant and everything that happened or everything did happen just as he predicted. Verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the prison. Even when it feels like other people have forgotten about you, God will never forget about you. He is still with you. He determines your steps, but he also determines your stops. And do you trust him when he says, stop, wait a minute, it's coming. The next thing for you is the position. The next thing for you is the destination is coming. But I need you to stop for a second so that you can pass all the tests that are coming your way. I'm gonna have you stand right here. I'm asking our prayer team to come up front because I don't know, here's what the Lord spoke to me about this sermon is that there are a lot of people in this room and maybe watching online as well that have spoken hurtful words towards the people that they love have spoken hurtful words to their family members, to their own children, to their parents, to friendships that have faded away. And and right now I'm telling you, so many of us are probably holding on to every word. How quickly those words can become our identity when we hold on to them. But I'm telling you today, Jesus is giving you a new word. And that word is to release everything that's been spoken over you by the enemy to receive the blessings that God has spoken over you by his revelation. But you have to be the one to come into his holy presence. And maybe the Lord is telling you today, it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to forgive because there's been too much division in your family. There's been too much hurt. You shouldn't carry that out of here. You shouldn't come in here and praise Jesus and still hold on to this bag when Jesus said, put it down at the altar. So I want to encourage you right now, if you're going through something, please don't hesitate to come up front. We want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. We're going to lead us back into a time of worship, but we're ready. If you need healing today over your heart, over past wounds, come, come forward. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.